Six Civilization on Israel One and Greece Second. Welcome. Only the Torah is revealed, all else is made up. Wonder no more why the world is broke. After listening to these words, we'll have Israel fall on his face and exclaim, At long last, we're turning the page and the Torah is rightly understood. Humanity will endure and now we can safely erect the social edifice of civilization on sound foundations and help save creation. Just like there's one God over a pantheon of gods, likewise there's solely one universal principle of knowledge over religion, philosophy, and science. The alternative is dualism of a broken world of the age of reason. KVF. Given the richness of its content, this is a text podcast or ex-podcast, not your regular talk podcast. <clears throat> Be advised that some people may find the Kabbalistic, theological, philosophical, and scientific content unsettling to their beliefs, values, and interests. Listener discretion, study, and group, as well as reading the text while listening to the ex-podcast is highly recommended. Though each one is self-standing, yet they build on each other to provide the main frame for a creative civilization. Dedication to those chatting with God. Quotations. Paradise Theses. Only the Torah is revealed, all else is made up. <clears throat> Paradise Hypothesis. Quote, we really cannot be sure of anything unless we know everything. That is, starting with the tip of the guiding thread at the point origin of creation at Genesis 1-1-A Aleph. Aaron ben Jacob ha Cohen, Orchot Haim, the paths of life. Quote, it is a mitzvah commandment to innovate on the Torah. Deuteronomy 30:14-15. Just choose chatting with God for life and good, and disregard the background noise of the media with its happiness mirage. The previous podcasts in brief. <clears throat> podcasts one to five are foundational. Nobody buys intangibles. No one buys a house because it has great foundations. Rather, what's above ground is what sells, and only after marketing puts it out there. But when you do decide to buy it, you want to be sure it has good foundations. X podcast numbers one to five are foundational. X podcast number six, seven, eight are construction. X podcast number nine is marketing. Episode one. Lie and Truth, <clears throat> Big Lie and Big Truth, Part 1. The opening episode is about why the world is broken and what to do about it. Why is the world broken? The lie is that the world is broken because it's a broken world. The truth is that the world is broken because we break it. That is, we keep breaking it, trying to fix things because we really don't know how we know that we know what we know. Episode 2, Enlightened Democracy is Dead. <clears throat> Long Live Paradise, Pause Democracy. Postmodernity. The people list state consists of a consists of a five power state up from three powers. That is, on the one hand, the government would consist of a legislative first power for laws and the executive second power for order. And on the other hand, the people, consisting of the judicial third power for justice, the news media fourth power for overseer of information, and the fifth power university and the university fifth power for administration of the budget. Additionally, entitlements from one person, one vote to one person triad votes. Also, giving children the right to vote by way of their parents or legal guardians. Episode number three, Bigger Lie and Bigger Truth, part two. The bigger lie is that the takeaway of the Bible is the golden rule. <clears throat> the bigger truth is that the one commandment in the Torah Bible is the universal principle of knowledge as found in Genesis 1-1-A Aleph. This singularity of a commandment encompasses all 613 commandments of the sages, including the Ten Commandments given to Moses at Sinai. By Gematria, we get 613 reducing to 10 and ultimately to 1. Episode number 4. Age of Empowerment of Postmodernity by Paradise. Chat with God. Life is all about chatting with God. All we have to do to get the blessing of creative self-therapy of empowerment is to chat with God. The sweet spot for chat with God is found at Deuteronomy 6.8 with ultimate keystone on Genesis 1.1a Aleph. The distraction out there of the media is the happiness mirage of dualism. Episode number 5 Biggest Lie and Biggest Truth Part 3 The biggest lie is, on the one hand, escapism of messianism and mysticism, and on the other hand, defeatism of crisis as usual. 
The biggest truth is simply the universal principle of knowledge with paradise acronym. Genesis 101A Aleph empowers us to integrate civilization and to help save creation. Episode number 6. Civilization on Israel 1 and Greece 2nd. The case is made for a created civilization based originally on Greece, then derivatively on, I mean, originally on Israel, then derivatively on Greece. But for Israel to constitute civilization requires having Genesis 1 as the keystone of the Torah. Executive Summary Episode 6 projects the foundations for the social edifice for the third millennium. Today's age of enlightened reason based on Greece is a dead star. The new age of paradise empowerment will be based on Israel and only derivatively on Greece. But for this to happen, Israel needs to return to its primeval origin. The cornerstone of the Torah is Genesis 1-1 Aleph. The Torah is the constitution of civilization and the blueprints of creation. Now with the lie, big lie, bigger lie, and biggest lie exposed, debunked, and out of the way, Israel can finally play its anointed role in the story of humanity. The age of enlightened reason and modernity is broken because it is based on Greece, which lacks foundations. The contemporary state of chaos is courtesy of crisis as usual of Greece and messianism and mysticism of Israel. The age of paradise empowerment of postmodernity will be based on an Israel with point origin at Genesis 1-1 Aleph for a creative civilization. Sources. No prior knowledge is assumed to understand the basic content other than familiarity and interest with the quest of chatting with God for creative empowerment. All concepts and vocabulary required will be provided as the theme unfolds. However, since we're starting smack in the middle and not at the beginning in order to highlight its importance, but in detriment to systematic exposition, we will have to leave the theory for homework to the listener. The books are the source. The ex-podcasts are its divulgation. The assignment is to consult my self-published books at Amazon to get a good handle on the empowering approach of paradise. These books are, quote, Pardesism, Human Science 101, published in 2018. Quote, Paradise, The Age of Unveilment of Genesis 1-1 Aleph, published in 2019. Quote, the Principle of World Caring, published in 2020. And lastly, Saving Creation, published in 2021. <clears throat> For convenience, you may also view the 70 or so videos on YouTube on topics from the books. Additionally, there are the other podca ex-podcasts in this series at my website, paradiseism.org. The Burning Question what keeps me up at night is why is the world just as broken before the revelation of the Torah Bible as after revelation of the Torah Bible to Moses at Mount Sinai? The disquieting part is that the Torah is precisely the teaching on how to integrate a broken world into a created civilization. There is something fishy in all this and I need to get to the bottom of it. Please allow me to explain by way of an elusive case so no one can miss it. Imagine you live in a deserted island and have a machine which you rely on for work. You took a course on mechanics and after working on the machine you still can't fix it. It's just as broken before taking the course as after having taken it. What to do? Do you just wait around for someone to come on shore or do you keep studying the instruction booklet until, until you understand how to fix the machine? I did just that and found how to make the machine finally work. And in what follows, I'll show you how. The procedure. The presentation is done in three sections. The first section consists in framing the problem in the archaic period of the fertile crescent of Egypt, Canaan, and Mesopotamia. The second section comprises the narrative of the Torah Bible in Israel. The third section covers contemporary times as a clash between the worldviews of Greece and Israel. Background Thesis Israel over Egypt To get a sense of the peoples and of the big picture and the, and the long duration uh, view of time involved, we need to take it from the top of the archaic period, go past antiquity and down to contemporary times. That is, before we compare and contrast Israel with Greece to figure out how to work out our broken world into a creative civilization, we need to take a look at the Fertile Crescent in archaic times. Back then there was Mesopotamia, the land of origin of Abram, 
later Abraham in the Bible. There was Canaan, the land he moved to, which was occupied by the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jesu Jesuites. By convention, all these ethnicities are grouped under the heading of the Canaanites. Additionally, and most importantly to our discussion, there was the land of Mitzrayim, Egypt. Abram's father was an idol maker in Mesopotamia. Fast forward. Next comes the fight of Israel against idolatry, which was the reason the Canaanites were being driven out of the land by God. Israel was to take over on account of their contribution to civilization of Yotrebav He Elohim, Yotrebav He God. Egypt is without a doubt the most pronounced nation in the narrative. This is not the place to dwell much longer on this topic. Suffice to mention that somehow the archaic Fertile Crescent and civilization dovetailed onto Israel. This is to say that Israel superseded Mesopotamia, Canaan, and Egypt. The one God of creation in the Torah Bible of Israel superseded the pantheon of gods of idolatry of Egypt, Canaan, and Mesopotamia. <clears throat> Frame thesis, Israel on Israel. The next step before we address the matter of interest of Israel and Greece in contemporary times is that of Israel with Israel. This is crucial because we shouldn't leave stone unturned in our search for the way to integrate our broken world. And we shouldn't take for granted that the established mainstream religious authority has the last word on the matter. Everybody needs to be held accountable until proven worthy. This is crucial if we're to place Israel before Greece, moving forward into the third millennium and beyond. The dilemma seems to be choosing between the lesser of two evils. On the one hand, non-separation of church-state as oneness of theocracy, and on the other hand, separation of church and state as dualism of secularity. Either a monolithic world of a whole with no halves, or else a broken world of two halves but no whole. We may need to reshuffle Israel to get it right, even at the risk of ruffling some feathers of the institution of the Kohen Gadol high priest. This shouldn't even be occurring. Imagine questioning the foundations of Judaism. Well, that's exactly what needs doing. That is, putting into question the legitimacy of the relationship between the Torah and Rabbinic Judaism. We won't, we won't have much more to say on top of what we've already said. Just to mention that the Torah is just as exposed to hijacking, being hijacked, as anything else under the heavens. Please consult the previous ex-podcast of the series for details. My suspicion is that there's something fishy going on. <clears throat> How else can one explain that the world is just as broken before revelation of the Torah as after revelation of the Torah, when the whole purpose of the revelation of the Torah was to teach us how to integrate civilization and assist in saving creation? And this just didn't happen. What went wrong? That is the question we will be addressing and providing an answer in delving with Israel on Israel. The 1% must have been missed, although the 99% was put on tape. That is, the first, <coughs> the first percent and the second percent and the third percent were gotten right and so on, but the 1% of the beginning was not. <clears throat> Much like day one of creation. There's no first day of creation. The beginning is important because it's the principle. It comes across clearly in Spanish. El principio es el principio. The beginning is the principle. <coughs> One may argue that the world could have been much worse than it is, even with a capital mistake committed of missing the guiding thread in the labyrinth. But this is the poor consolation to the suffering all across the board of humanity, and in particular to each and every national assembly. This is an ongoing, unresolved question, which will continue to haunt us until we get to the bottom of it once and for all. Not being condescending, but the theme is causality, that, it, that everything that happens moving forward happens for a reason coming from behind. <clears throat> the background has already been amply covered in the preceding essays, ex-podcast, so we'll spare the listener needless repetition. Only the Torah is revealed, all else is made up. That is, unless it's derived from the point origin at Genesis 1-1-A-Yalith, it's made up by living and dead mortals. Now that we've summarily addressed Israel on Israel, let's move on to Israel on Greece. The Thesis Israel 1, Greece 2 <clears throat> Our thesis is that there is a or the universal principle of knowledge. 
that this principle is found in Genesis 1, 1, A, Aleph, by binding the first letter of Hebrew, Aleph, A, to the first word of the creation story, Bereshit, in beginning of, as Aleph, uh, slash Bereshit, A, slash, in beginning of. This principle serves much like a point origin or singularity, which unfolds as a cone in three-dimensional mass space-time. The proof that it is the universal principle of knowledge is that all knowledge can be derived from it, as well as that all knowledge can be explained or accounted for by it. The proof of the pudding is in the recipe and in the eating. That is, that any piece of knowledge can be viewed as particular cases of the universal principle of knowledge. But, in order to make this principle more manageable, we need to express it in code as point, origin, source, S, uh, slash, forward slash, cone, field, triad, PRD. This result takes after the pardes, medieval Kabbalah tradition, but with an innovation as paradise, primeval Kabbalah. There are many differences and similarities, but one that stands out over the rest is that the medieval version recourses to the entire Tanakh, while the primeval one relies solely on binding the first letter and the first word already mentioned in Genesis 1-1-1-1, something like a cloud and a ripple, respectively. Traditionally, this is presented as salt secret, S, uh, forward slash, derage, discover, D, remes, remit, R, peshat, plain, P. This is expressed as S uh, forward slash PRD or alternative S forward slash DRP. But both cases refer to the acronym PARADISE. <clears throat> the finality is to turn this principle into an application, an app for short. The finality we have in mind for this PARADISE principle, given the broken state of the world, is to apply it to integrate civilization and by added measure help save creation. Yes, though it may sound as a stretch, it is the correct way of viewing things. Since we are a spark of the Creator as creative creatures, we are co-responsible in keeping creation by way of integrating civilization, which is our job, properly speaking. But let's move on from the related topics to the theme of Israel and Greece. Our approach will be solely employing the Paradise app to derive the pre-Socratic thinkers in the School of Athens and then jump to modernity of contemporary times. Given the enormity of the task, the Power App employed has to be none other than the empowerment approach. That is, the empowerment approach consists of applying paradise to the resolution of problems, much like in science or elsewhere. So, the paradise approach to problem resolution consists of creative S slash holistic D, systemic R, and heuristic P. It's just an application unto itself, much like an uncurling of a grain, onto a grain, a seed, onto a fruit. You get the idea. Just like a picture tells a thousand words, the best way to explain our novel approach is by a graphic example. That is, in order to focus our attention on founding civilization on Israel, then derivatively on Greece, we will provide illustrative examples of universal knowledge S slash from the fields of study of religion D, philosophy R, and science P. However, this fine brush of providing concrete examples will not do justice to the richness of the theme. In that adherence to the empowerment approach, though at the risk of diffusing the focus, we'll provide general considerations in the second part of the ex-podcast essay. Basically, the age of empowerment is can be explained as prayer D, chat R, meditation P. No more gimme, gimme, gimme of prayer. Let's chat with God as the adults in the room. I'm sure that more knowledgeable persons can improve on our kosher salt grain contribution. We'll start by the heart of the matter in order to showcase the difference between dualism of Greece and paradisism of Israel. Please bear in mind that the approach of Israel is to define things in context by way of narratives, as distinct from Greece, which does it in dialogue or treatise formats. Israel at the crossroads. Israel is torn between time backsliding to Egypt and getting loop feedback from Greece. If Israel doesn't get a grip on its bearings, it's, only, it's not only a failed state, but failing the Torah. <clears throat> As an aside, I just cannot help but notice the strong similarities and differences between the modern flags of Greece and Israel. Both have white backgrounds and blue foreground with stripes across, differing on the cross and the Star of David, respectively, amongst other details. 
Kaplan's Judaism as Civilization. Since we are advocating a novel civilization, we need to incorporate an author who mentions the term civilization in his works. The basic ideology of Mordechai Kaplan was first defined in his 1934 work, quote, Judaism as a civilization. His conception is mentioned on account of the similarity of nomenclature, but it differs substantially. His Reconstructionist ideology was an attempt to adapt Judaism to modern-day realities that he believed created the necessity for a new conception of God. His position goes back to the development of Western Enlightenment Jewish period begun by Joseph Mendelssohn. This Hashkara contrasts with Eastern European Hasidism version developed on a different note. Nonetheless, his contribution as a subtitle of his book, quote, Towards the Reconstruction of American Jewish Life, clearly indicates falls within the pole of the aftermath of the Hashkalah. That is, he talks of, quote, a civilization within, quote, the civilization of Judaism as religious civilization within Greek-based secular Western civilization. This short clip should suffice to characterize his work as dependent on what we have to say about Greece as civilization, so we'll leave him there. Principle and Derivations The pretension is that all civilization is derivable from this universal principle of knowledge, abbreviated as the acronym PARADISE, the consonants P-R-D-S. This is not saying that I can perform all the derivations. Rather, the whole idea of the peopleless state is meant to assign such a formidable task for homework to the legions of academics and thinkers in general. Please see the corresponding ex-podcast in the series for further details wherein the university plays the role of fifth power of the state. A non-trivial representative sample of knowledge, knowledge bits will be provided to make our point. More issues are resolved the closer one is to the truth. Case in point, the biggest truth resolves all issues. This is much like in mathematical physics. Theoretical research is always about finding the one universal principle from whence all other particular principles derive. While the original Torah of Israel developed religion, Greece, as first derivative of the Torah, developed world secular civilization. Today, Greece provides us with crisis as usual, while Israel with messianism and mysticism. The problem is that Greece is leading us along Ms. Deren Alley, while Israel is leading us down Mr. Rabbit Hole. This leaves humanity to fend for itself as best it can. The, ma- the fact of the matter is that it simply cannot manage things and irremediably falls in a state of unending habitual crisis mode. The problem is that the foundation of Greece has no red core, while the foundations of Israel are hanging from the blue sky. All the coins that I've come across have two sides and a rim. Not just two sides, a front and a back, but the flipping itself is part of the coin as well as rim. We are a coin of a civilization with two sides which don't touch, but what's worse, missing the rim. They're not even connected. Imagine that. No wonder things in the world don't make any sense. In what follows, the presentation will be in two parts. The first part is brief and punctual. The second part is purposeful and dubitative. The first part is this podcast. The second part is another podcast. <clears throat> the structure of paradise. The Torah <clears throat> is the constitution of civilization, though some go as so far as to make the claim that it is the blueprint of creation. Only the Torah is revealed, all else is made up. For validation, the texts in question must be legitimately, legitimately derived from the Torah. What does it mean for a text to be legitimately, legitimately derived? To derive means that it follows from a principle. Data not based on a principle is opinion, not knowledge. For it to be knowledge, it must derive from a principle. Principle is the same as beginning. <clears throat> the Torah is much more than a text, yet it's also a text, and as such must be treated for the purposes of discourse. What is the principle from which the Torah derives? That is, we need to know the one principle, cause, or beginning from whence everything derives. For everything to derive from a principle, it must be at the beginning. Contrarywise, what came before said principle wouldn't be derived from it. The first word of the Torah is Bereshit, in beginning of, but it's written in the Hebrew language, and the first letter of Hebrew is Aleph A. So, 
The sought-after beginning principle must be composed by combining the first letter, Aleph, A, of the Hebrew alphabet with the first word of the Torah, namely, with Bereshit, in beginning of, as found in Genesis 1-1-A. The first letter of Hebrew identifies the Creator, while the opening word of the Torah names creation. Now that we have the two parts, the Aleph, A, of Hebrew, of the Creator, and the Bereshit, in beginning of, of creation, How do we constitute the universal principle of knowledge? But before answering that, it's opportune to mention that we're not transparent and that we do play a lead role in the narrative. Somehow we appear as a forward slash, as if sandwiched between the two above of creator and creation. Or if you prefer, we play the role of the rim of the two sides of the coin. So, since the first letter represents the creator, the imaginary flip side of the coin, and the first word represents creation, the front, re the real front side of the coin, then we as Rim must play a double role. That is, on the one hand, for the side of the creator, of the creator as creative, and on the other hand, for the side of creation as creature. But to keep it simple, this double forward slash standing for the creative as forward slash creature will simply convene to know, denote with a single forward slash. That is, it's... It is creator slash creative slash creature creative uh, slash creation or forward slash standing for creative creature. <clears throat> Thus, we end simply with creator forward slash creation. Now, using the original terms from language and text, we would then have Aleph uh, slash Bereshit I in beginning of. Our role as Rim is partly to keep the sides from touching and partly to keep them together so as to form a unit coin. Linguistically, the Aleph A is a glottal stop or mute, corresponding to the number one and signifying ox head. Likewise, Bereshit, in beginning of, consists of three parts, namely Bereshit, in beginning of. The last member, it of, combines in its own unique manner the masculine plural ending im, s, with the feminine plural ending ot, s. In English, the plural endings happen to be the same, namely s, but not so in gender languages like Spanish, where it would be os and as, respectively. In any case, <clears throat> the trident question takes the first letter of the masculine plural, not surprisingly, and the second letter of the feminine, understandably so, coming from a patriarchal society. This ends as it, instead of the other way around, om, In other words, it is Be'eresh It and not Be'eresh Om. This plural, plural mixed ending stands for the many things out there like diversity. This adds then to meaning in beginning of things as short for, quote, in the beginning of things. Upon closer examination, we notice that the middle term is composite as well as the last term, which we just explained above. The middle resh beginning <coughs> contains a resh alef shin, r, a, sh. The resh r is 200 and means head. The alef a is one and means ox head and is mute. While the shin, sh, is 300 and means two front teeth. So, we have this middle tripartite term inside a three-term word. Perhaps it's telling us that between thinking and speaking is this interme intermediary mute Aleph A corresponding to the Creator, which ultimately makes language possible. Now that we have the parts, we need to bake it into one principle. That is, in all, in all it must be one and also be all, like in universal, sort of unity and diversity. In our terminology, the three parts or tripartite goes into a triad when fused. These three parts now constitute parts of a whole. This is much like three lines crossing to form a triangle. <clears throat> Once forming the figure, the three lines turn into sides and hypotenuse and lock into place as our right triangle, in our case. They are upgraded from generic lines to sides and hypotenuse of a right triangle. In the literature, this is fam famously known as a Pythagorean theorem, by the way. The concept of triad comes precisely from Pythagoras of Samos, a notable pre-Socratic thinker of the 6th century in Ionia, present-day Turkey, then a Greek colony, colony in the Aegean Sea. Meanwhile, 
we can visualize the Aleph A as being a point which becomes a sphere, same which encompasses the triad Bay Ridge sheet in beginning of. This model serves the purpose of forging a unity out of a plurality under the umbrella of the triad. Now, upon now, now onto closure. Our our principle must then consist of the quote one s uh, slash of the point of the singularity and the quote triad PRD of the origin of the coin field as a rotating right triangle. In all this, in putting it together, we rediscover what was already there, as if waiting for us to interpret, hiding in plain view all this time. Thus, our search for principle is this Aleph uh, slash Bereshit, A in beginning of, <clears throat> in Genesis 1, 1, A Aleph. Hence, the main triad of Be Reshit in beginning of contains, as if a baby triad, in her belly, this resh beginning as its middle term. But not only that, for vertical side we have be in, but this letter signifies two, which means bait, house. So, this vertical side has the potential to one curl's triad as well, insofar as made of three letters or a triad. As for the horizontal, we have it, off. It is made up of yod, i, ten, meaning hand, and taf, t, four hundred, meaning sign. Now, doing the math, we have 10 plus 400 gives 410, which reduces to 5. <clears throat> this number 5 corresponds to the letter GH, which signifies reveal. As an aside, hand and sign <clears throat> also appear related to reveal in the context of dripping, drippings between the eyes in Deuteronomy 6.8. This letter GH matches with the idea we already had of eat off as representing the plurality of what's out there to look. Somehow this hypotenuse term and the imaginary vertical side uncurl into a triad as well. The idea is that out of the main triad comes out a triad of triads, and this being the case, there's nothing to stop it from continuing to uncurl what may be in what may be in it, in it potentially in an iterative manner. After all is done, we have this visual for paradise of a sphere or ellipse enclosing this main triad which uncurls into a triad of triads. In all, we end up having 1 plus 3 times 3 gives 9, which added together gives 10, which reduces to 1. But note that it is 1, 0, as if telling us that whatever this principle is, is as it, whatever this principle is, as 10, it is a digit removed from unity as 1. It is like saying that we as 10 are infinitesimally zero, proportionally to the creator 1. <clears throat> so, out of this point origin Aleph, of which we know nothing about, uncurl this cone of a right triangle, iteratively of bare red sheet in beginning of. Together, this turns into our working principle as Aleph uh, slash bare sheet A in beginning of, with paradise acronym for short. Furthermore, in order to make it more manageable, we identify its parts as S slash PRD or else S slash DRP. In either case, it will spell out the acronym PARADICE. This is closely related to that of PARDES, P-R-D-S, used by medieval Kabbalah. <clears throat> this was done purposely so as to distinguish the primeval Kabbalah of PARADICE from the medieval Kabbalah of PARDES. Same consonants, different vowels. Both refer to the same idea of garden or paradise, but otherwise differ significantly. Age of Reason Greece as culture and Israel as religion. The Age of Reason keeps Greece separate from Israel. Greece represents the secular, and Israel represents religion. Enlightened reason as calculus comes from Greece, revealed reason as belief comes from Israel. This dualist solution avoids short circuits, but comes at the price of a broken world. The immediate question is if keeping Greece and Israel separate in any way contributes to our world being broken, that is, as separated into two from the start and iteratively down the line into four and so on, to the very core and all across the board of society. Let's illustrate our case by way of an unexceptionable example. Just the other day, I assisted to an encounter one of those school vouchers versus school, public schools in the forum of a local news site. 
Interestingly, the interviewer came to represent the power of information of the media, while the interviewees came to represent the power of knowledge of the university. When it comes to issues, people invariably take sides. The problem with the issues approach is that it's stochastic, like flipping a coin. It turns into a where do you fall on the issue? Everybody gets one chance and one life, or many chances and one life. But in practice, given that putting together the pieces may take a lifetime, we actually get one chance in one lifetime. Catastrophic scenarios are ventilated as well as cautionary tales. If you were to ask me where do I fall on the issue, I would reply that it depends on the hour and day of the week. If before or after breakfast, what's the weather like, the last thing I might have heard on the radio, and many other determining factors or conditionals. There is a whole spectrum from short-term to medium-term to long-term planning. From opinion at the drop of a hat to organizations with local chapters all the way to epoch considerations. We just recently had alarm and had alarm go off and the news is still on lest we forget. On the short term, like in an emergency, you have to do what you can with what you've got. But this shouldn't preclude long duration planning. You shouldn't fix it if it isn't broken. But we're past that. We know for a fact that it's broken since January the 6th. The question now is how to fix it. This is where the spectrum of options comes in. The solution herein proposed is the empowerment approach using the Paradise application. Narrowing to the role of the media and the university, we have the peopleless state consisting of five powers instead of the usual three powers. The appellation of peopleists peopleist comes from people, just like socialism comes from social. People, uh, populism is something completely different. In any case, Within this framework, we then address the question of what's best at universal education, all things considered. The university will be in charge of the administration of the budget, what today is in the hands of the executive power. Please listen to podcast number two, uh, X podcast of the series for details. The advantage of this approach in the case of the broken public school system is that its brokenness is not viewed in isolation. The broken public school system is broken as part of a broken state, which is part of a broken civilization. The issues approach is topical and doesn't touch the character or the malady afflicting our society. The thing is that all issues are connected as part of the greater social fabric. You cannot patch anything outside of considering the whole network. Patchwork of issues approach is only justified in emergency situations requiring quick response where long-range planning would be contraindicated. The point in all this is that if we have information but like the one knowledge principle, universal knowledge principle, then opinion is king and we have the reign of parties. Chaos galore. The pre-Socratic Protagoras of Abdera, DK8080B1, put it succinctly, quote, Of all things, the measure is man. Of the things that are, that they are, and of the things that are not, that they are not. Or simply stated, quote, man is the measure of all things. <clears throat> Case in point is the Babylonian Talmud, with due respect as a work of scholarship. It is the epitome of opinion lacking the universal principle of knowledge. Herein we have the schools of Hillel and Shammai, by way of rabbis, each with its own leaning, deliberating on Mishnah, biblical commentaries, and Gemara, religious law. Paradise, Constitution of Civilization. So then, going back to Torah is revelation and everything else is made up. <clears throat> the criterion of validity is that it is derived from the paradise principle, same which we recover from the Torah itself using ordinary common sense. Since paradise is the constitutional civilization and, in a larger sense, the blueprint of creation, it follows that in order to be valid, every claim to truth must conform to it, or equivalently, that everything must conform to it in order to be valid, or worse to that effect. This is the sense of the thesis of founding civilization on Israel and then on Greece and so on, giving credit to other tertiary contributing cultures. But understanding Greece under the heading of Israel as a point origin of this principle of paradise as found at Genesis 1-1-A-Aleph, and by Greece understanding as its first derivative, this we will have to prove to be the case. The rest will follow by added measure. This we'll address further down the road on the next uh, podcast. Onion peeling. 
This reminds me of the difference between applied math for science and engineering majors and pure math for mathematics majors. In science and technology, we have our own concerns to worry about, but the infinities of mathematics are basic as a point and a line don't go away for math majors. The same applies here in the greater scheme of things. In our, view of view, in our way of viewing things, we can work with S slash PRD, but at a closer look, it's actually S uh, parenthesis S slash PRD close parenthesis. This refers to Aleph S slash Bashit PRD at Genesis 1-1-A Aleph as creator, uh, creative uh, creation slash creative slash creation. But of the creator as Aleph A, we know nothing about. That's why the letter Aleph A is glottal stop or mute and represented by the number one, which is nothing you can do with it. However, what we do claim to know something about is the name of the Creator. This we express in language as Creator S, uh, parentheses, the name of Creator, parentheses, S inside, as outside and inside the parentheses of our experience, respectively. But that's not the end of our problems, not really. What, what do we really know about the inside of the parentheses? This is the same as saying, how much do we really know about God? We go back to square one. This seems to be telling us that each of the concepts corresponding to each of the words in Genesis 1-1 is an unknown infinity, to borrow from our friendly math point and line huggers. We'll leave the following paragraph for the notes, since it's hard to read on a podcast. Next, the one commandment. Hang on there. For once we get past the cusp, things will be going downhill eating ice cream. Thus, the search is on for the point origin of the Torah. Everything has a beginning. The Torah has a beginning. What is the beginning of the Torah? The previous ex-podcast ex addressed this concern. Much like a labyrinth, first you have to enter the right door and grab the tip of the guiding thread and then, follow through, and then simply follow it. Same here. If you miss the right entrance, if you mistakenly took the wrong entrance, it's pointless to continue. What are we looking, what are we looking for? We're imperatively looking for the right entrance to the Torah. Our quest is that is our quest is that simple, just getting it right from the start. But keep trying till we achieve it. No point moving forward until we do. Let's start by engaging with Exodus twenty four twelve. Let's follow where it leads us. <clears throat> Exodus twenty four twelve, verse twenty four twelve. and said is kind of God. Quote and said to Moses. Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, and I will give you the, quote, stone tablets and, quote, the teaching and, quote, the commandment, which I have inscribed to teach them, content, comment. Herein is telling us, it's telling us that what's given to these are three things. They are the Decalogue, Ten Commandments, the Torah teaching Bible, what he called the stone tablets, the mitzvah, singularity commandment. The Torah is the Pentateuch of Moses, the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments given to Moses at Sinai. But what is this singularity commandment, one commandment or the commandment? The right entrance is a no-brainer. The point origin is the being, the beginning, as demonstrated above and in the previous X podcast. Let's now proceed to spell it out as A, B, C, and one, two, three, so no one who's paying attention can can miss it. The short answer is that the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments, the Torah refers to the 613 commandments of the sages, and the singular commandment one refers to paradise. Doing the gematria of the math, we get 613 is 6 plus 1 plus 3 reduces to 10, which reduces to 1, 0, which ultimately reduces to 1. For convenience of understanding, let's put it in the customary base 10 of numbering. In base 10, we would then have the Torah teaching as 100, the Decalogue as a 10 commandments, and the singular commandment as 1. Overall, this makes teaching 101, 101 as paradise, moving forward. Did the Torah actually happen? <clears throat> did the Torah actually happen? Yes, of course it did. The Torah happened, but holistically, yes, in heaven, and happened triadically PRD on earth just as paradise predicts. But the Torah didn't happen dualistically in mass P, space R, time D. 
meaning that mass P didn't happen separately from space R, which didn't happen separately from time D. No wonder no hard evidence of the exodus across the desert has surfaced, nor will it anytime soon within present-day enlightened science of archaeology. In order to understand things, we need to start by understanding things from the point origin. This we now proceed to accomplish by presenting Genesis 1-1-A Aleph, who wrote the Torah. I must confess not to fully understand the question of who wrote the Torah. That is, if the question is referring to whether God wrote it or whether Moses wrote it. As far as, far as, did, Mo, as, as, far as did God write it, being the case that we know nothing about God, the question is dead on arrival. So that leaves approaching it via Moses. All I can say is that there is a gradation of intelligence, for lack of a better word. The scale which makes sense in consonance with our paradise empowerment approach is Revelation S slash Inspiration D, Enlightenment R, Pragmatism P. <clears throat> Insofar as works associated with the Torah, I would put the Talmud in Pragmatic P, the writings Ketuvim in Enlightenment R, and the Prophets Nevi'im in Inspiration D. This pretty, le this pretty much leaves Revelation S for Moses. So much regarding this level. As for God, what would that would undoubtedly be beyond the scope of this work. But in the end, what, what, does, what does convince me that his revelation is by Moses and by none other is a depth which is seemingly infinite. It seems to be one thing iteratively nested inside another with no end in sight. But even regarding revelation, it still presupposes that Moses had the capacity to grasp it. If this, if this were the case, we must have been he must have been in constant chat with God, as much as is humanly possible. Genesis 1-1-A Aleph Let's retrospectively apply the paradise hypothesis or the principal thesis by now to the beginning of the Torah in order to verify its self-compliance. I'll reinsert the point beginning of it all to have it fresh on our minds. The long version will leave solely for reading in the notes. <clears throat> The short, simplified, original version refers solely to SPRD uh, slash PRD without the added, added complication of S uh, parentheses, SPRD close parentheses. This will now proceed to unfold. The paradise approach is the no-nonsense no reading of Genesis 1-1-A Aleph. Genesis 1-1-A Aleph. Verse 1-1-A Aleph. Aleph slash Brashit A in beginning of. Aleph A Bishit Bara Elohim et Hashamain Veet Khares A slash in beginning of created God chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Common. In what follows Elohim God literally means master of powers. Et means language with or chatting with. We'll use the consonants of paradise to identify the roles played by each word in the verse and lastly indicate the meaning of each step of the staircase. Aleph A means creator. Aleph Breshit, Aleph slash Breshit A in beginning of corresponds to S uh, slash PRD means creator, creative uh, slash creation. <coughs> Aleph Breshit Bara A in beginning of created corresponds to the slash. Breshit Bara Elohim in beginning of created Elohim corresponds to D means creation, created God. Bara Elohim et created Elohim chatting with. It's R. Means created God language with or chatting with. Elohim et Hashamayim ve et Haaretz. Elohim God is language with the heavens and language with the earth. P. This means both that the meaning of God, quote, is chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth, as well as, quote, that God is chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Comment. This is the point origin of the Torah. Like a cone PRD, it all starts from the point origin slash, S slash. That is, the Torah unfolds from this point origin. Likewise, civilization would unfold from the Torah by way of this universal principle of knowledge expressed as paradise. The paradise approach differs considerably from Rashi's and other authoritative readings of mainstream Judaism or uh, 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 religion. <clears throat> Rashi's reading combines the three the first three verses into one thought, starting with, quote, in the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth, or else, quote, when God began to create the heavens and the earth. The other authoritative reading is, quote, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Both are equally baseless. Different wordings, same meaningless meaning. 
the master key to the Torah consists of a pre-start and a start as Aleph slash Bereshit A in beginning of. To fully understand the Torah requires seeing it as an uncurling of a staircase and as reading it in steps. The right reading of the Torah starts with teaching 101 of the point origin of paradise. Failing to get it right, it can only lead you to lonely uh, dead-end roads and happy rabbit holes. Mental interstice. <clears throat> An important point which has fallen through the cracks and needs mentioning is that of the mental. This appears sandwiched between the spiritual and the physical, the two most obvious protagonists in the human saga. But let's quote Genesis 1-1 to get it right. Yes, again, since it's all about getting it right, no matter how many times we have to do the lab thought experiment. Genesis 1-1, verse 1-1, Bereshit, in beginning of. Quote, Bereshit, bara Elohim, et ha-shamayim ve-et ha-aretz. In beginning of, created God. Chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Comment. Let's recur to the Pythagorean theorem or else the common sense coin. <clears throat> Let's choose the pocket for easiness this time. A coin has two sides and a rim or else coin S slash front side P rim R flip side D. If we map this coin onto the bigger picture of life S slash spiritual D mental R physical P, it maps chatting as life S slash heavens D and R earth P. Comparing and contrasting this double mapping clearly helps us identify the mental as the interstice remis remit R. Genesis 1.4 Chatting with light as civilization. But at the end of the day, how can we know if it's right? Well, by getting it right from the very beginning, if not from before. The Latin term ratio, ratio can mean reason, relation, and proportion, as well as mathematical ratio. Below is the foundation of civilization as day one of creation in Genesis 1-1-A, 1-1-5-slash-Aleph. Uh, this is the cornerstone, the master key, the point origin as day one, around which the universe uncurls. Thus, this way we can adequately found civilization on Israel, then on Greece, and likewise others. The whole S is stated up front. Then it, it un, it's unfolded in three swipes as triad PRD. I use uh, quote LW for language with, dialogue with, or chatting with. It's all contained in day one of creation. In what follows, we'll provide the background in order to understand the foreground of interest at Genesis 1-4. <clears throat> Genesis 1-1-5 slash Aleph. 1-0 Aleph. Aleph A. Comment. This Aleph represents the Creator. Verse 1 1 Bereshit in beginning of. In beginning of created Elohim, chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Comment. This is the point, origin, or singular commandment or universal principle of knowledge. This plays the part of tip of the guiding thread. If you get it, you find your way around and through the labyrinth. But if you miss it, you end up pitifully lost in a world of opinion and what's worse, not even a word of it. Verse 1 2. And the word was unformed and void. Quote, and the earth being unformed and void with darkness over the surface of the deep and the wind from God sweeping over the waters. Comment. This states the, this states the sorry state when the three constituent raw, raw things of creation act separately instead of a triad. That is, real, plain P, mental, reflect R, and imaginary discovered D. These triad members are clearly identified as science P, philosophy R, religion D. Verse 1-3, and said God, quote, and said God, quote, let there be light, and there was light. Comment. This states that the way to go is for light to play the role of whole S. This confirms the thesis of paradise. That is, that secret S slash discovery D reflect R, plain P. Uh, verse 4, 1-4, uh, Elohim, and saw God. And saw God chatting with the light that it was good, and separated God between the light and between the darkness. Comment. This states that light, as secret S, puts together the otherwise loose parts as triad, discovered D, reflect R, plain P. This secret S comes to represent light. That is, that good is forward slash that puts together the whole S as made of triad parts, PRD. This clearly states that paradise is the way to go to integrate civilization. And contrarywise, that keeping things separate is bad, as our broken world plainly testifies. 
verse 1-5, Vayikra Elohim, and called Elohim, and called God the light day and the darkness called night. And there was evening and there was morning, day one. Comment. What stands out of the verse is that it states that it is day one, not the first day. That is, that all creation is contained in this day one. The rest of the days of the week of creation uncurl from this singularity. This echoes what we saw previously regarding the one commandment in Exodus 24.12. The takeaway of the above is the light stands for civilization. In Genesis 1.1, we have both, quote, that Elohim and, quote, Elohim is, chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth. Now, in Genesis 1.4, we have that Elohim sees that chatting with the light is good. So, secret is light, and light is civilization. And what is civilization that is so secretive? The thesis is civilization, S slash, religion, D, philosophy, R, science, P. It's an uncurling process such that it always connects with the point origin as derivative. That's the whole idea of saying that only the Torah revelation and everything else is made up unless it's derived from the point origin. Somehow on the base 10 numbering system, we would seem to have 1 for God, 10 for creation, and 100 for civilization. All proportions kept. Genesis 1, 1 to 5 uh, slash Aleph. On second thought, given that it's getting late, we'll leave this part for a future episode and press forward with a task at hand. The following and last topic of this sixth X, X podcast on civilization, Israel 1, Greece 2, serves as transition to the next on paradise civilization in practice. This seventh podcast compares and contrasts the views of Israel and Greece on the heart. What it means to each culture. The heart is central to Israel just as much as the mind is central to Greece. The heart. There is always the question of what the heart stands for in Greece as compared to what it stands for in Israel. Let's start with Israel. In Israel, the meaning of the heart is stated outright in the Shema Israel, Listen Israel. The process consists of three steps as outlined in Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. In what follows, we'll employ the paradise application nomenclature to properly identify the roles of the constitution parts of the principle as it relates to the heart in question. Deuteronomy 6, 4-6, verse 6, 4, Shema Israel. Quote, Hear Israel, yod is our God, yod is one. Comment. This spells out the point origin or singularity of things. Here is slash is p Ra, R, L, D. The verse then doubles down to dispel any doubts. Yotrebavre is slash Yotrebavre D, our God, R, 1, P. This will play the role of the point, of the point origin of things. Verse 6, 5. Vea hafta, and you shall love. Quote, and you shall love chatting with God, your God, uh, chatting with Yotrebavre, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Comment. This defines love upright. Up front, as follows, love is, slash, heart, D, soul, R, might, P. Visibly, the heart is the seat of the core of our being, as the Rosh discovered D. Please know that the key word is et, chat with. This is telling us that love makes sense only in the context of chatting with God. This plays the role of the origin, of the, of the point origin of things. But more, if not most importantly, is that it comes to naught if there is no love relationship with God. Yes that we must love chatting with God. And not like IT chatting, multitasking all the time and munching maybe as well. No, it's about the whole ball of wax. Love God with all we are, have and can be. It's verse 6, 6, Vechayu, and you shall take, and take these instructions which I charge you this day to your heart. Comment. This emphasizes that the safety deposit box to keep things secure is the bank of the heart. The heart is the closest you can get to love thee. This plays the role of the cone of the the cone of the point origin of things. Please bear in mind that the Torah or Pentateuch of Moses consists of five entangled lessons to make one whole one soul teaching. In all this, the tip of the guiding thread, as lesson one zero one, spells out as one o one spells out as paradise. Just in case it's not entirely clear, the Deuteronomy in general harkens back to Exodus for definitions and then to Genesis for principles. But ultimately, I'll point to the docking of the Hebrew language with creation in Genesis 1, 1, a Aleph. Israel is hierarchical, meaning that ultimately everything dovetails to the point origin of Genesis 1, 1, a Aleph. Thus, in order to be consistent, we must provide proof of this singularity at the crossroads of language and creation. As a refresher, let's just quote it and leave it at that. 
please go to the previous X podcast for details. <clears throat> Genesis 1, 1, a Aleph, verse 1, 1, a Aleph, Aleph, uh, slash, Bereshit, A in beginning of. Quote, Aleph, slash, Bereshit, Bara, Elohim, Et, Hashamayim, Vetchares. A, slash, in beginning of, created Elohim, chatting with the heavens, and chatting with the, with the earth. Comment. In our customary nomenclature, this point origin of the verse codes as follows. A, S, slash, in the beginning R of P. This in turn uncurls as follows in successive steps. The short answer follows and the long and for the long version, please see the previous X podcast for details. By the way, Dresh is head, but is conventionally understood as beginning. So then we have the keystone of the Torah as follows. Aleph A stands for S. Aleph slash Bershit A in beginning of stands for S slash P R D. The, the keystone, as we were saying. Bereshit bara Elohim, in beginning of created God, stands for D. Bara Elohim et, created God, chatting with, corresponds to R. Elohim et hashamayim vet chares, chatting, God is chatting with the heavens and chatting with the earth, stands for P. Comment. The idea of quoting Genesis 1, 1, Yalef, is that everything has to touch base to be a valid derivation and hence binding. The keystone of the Torah must also be able to explain all items of knowledge as specific cases of the universal principle of knowledge as found expressed in the acronym PARADISE. In this particular case of, of interest, the topic is the heart. The connection is then made with love and Elohim, and ultimately with chatting with God. Now, regarding the concept of the, quote, heart in Greece, this is an entirely different proposition. There seems to be an inversion of sorts. In order to compare and contrast, let's use the previous scheme as reference. The short answer is that Hellenism, the, that in Hellenism the heart plays the role of Peshat P, of the emotions, the physical attraction between the male and the female principles. The heart is love, is sex, roughly speaking. For the long answer, it would require comparing the heart of Israel with the mind of Greece. For the moment, suffice with what's been said above, and we'll leave the broader question for another time. Now to move on in the next X podcast with ample illustrative examples to make the case that paradise is the representation of civilization. But before that, let's quickly insert the following last minute item on the agenda. <clears throat> Shehina Sohar. Before parting with this episode, allow me to say a few words about a matter relating to both Ahava, Ahava love, and to it chatting with. Within mysticism, there is the Sefer Sohar <clears throat> Book of Radiance. It identifies it chatting with, with the female aspect of God or else as its dwelling divine presence. The name is the Shehina. The Shehina or the She-God means dwelling or settling and denotes the presence of God as it were in a place. It is rabbinical, not of biblical origin. The root letters are Shin, Kaf, Nun, She, K, N. From the same roots is derived Shachen, neighbor, and Mishkan, dwelling place, whether a secular home or a holy site such as a tabernacle. The corresponding biblical verses of relevance are as follows. Exodus 3.22 Verse 3.22 Veshala isha, and each woman shall, quote, each woman shall borrow from her neighbor and the lodger in her house objects of silver and gold and clothing, and shall put these on your sons and daughters, thus stripping the Egyptians. Comment. Here we have the Mishke, Mishkena, Mishkenta from her neighbor. Verse uh, uh, Exodus 25, 25, 8. Verse 25, 8. Vesuli, and let them make me, quote, and let them make me a sanctuary that I that I may dwell among them. Comment. Here we have Veshach Anti, that I may dwell. Referred to as sanctuary. Verse 25, 9. Jehol uh, Asher. Exactly as I show you. Exactly as, quote, exactly as I show you the pattern of the dwelling and the pattern of all its furnishings. So shall you make it. Comment. Here we have the Mishkan, the dwelling, referred to as a tabernacle. According to the mystic tradition or mystical tradition, there are many examples of people being impressed in God's presence. A list examples of our God appearing to Moses in the burning bush and in a cloud when he gives Moses the commandments. The problem is that the word Shehina, the she-God, doesn't appear, nor any of his roots, just nor, nor in any of his roots just mentioned. <clears throat> the actual word Shehina does not appear in the Torah, not even in the Mishnah. 
supposed oral tradition handed down from Moses, though it does appear in the Talmud, which is much later and is a commentary on it. From this, since it cannot be found in the Torah, much less can it be derived from it. We can safely conclude that it's made up. It's a core part of mysticism of the oral tradition of rabbinism. Without a doubt, this deserves a more robust treatment than summarily, than summarily mentioned in passing. We'll take it up later on. What's of interest is to compare and contrast the Shehina as female indwelling divine presence with it, Yotrevavre Elohim, chatting with God. My guess is that second best to primeval closing with God as chatting with would be this sexual intercourse of the Shehina with God of the Sohar. This, but this brings without a doubt how much Platonic Eros may have corrupted the original version of Moses. This is a sample of a greater malady which we've already mentioned. This is to say that Messianism is a backsliding to Egypt, all the while mysticism is the loop feedback to Greece. This is uh, this as refers to Israel. As a matter of convention, God is referred to as he, but nothing would change if we started referring to God as her. The personal pronoun is a question of choice. Though one thing which can be said in favor of the Shekhinah is that it balances things between patriarchal and matriarchal, matriarchal way of viewing things. Conclusion Theory must go hand in hand with practice. So far, we've dealt into, in considerations taken from the Torah Bible. Now, it's time to provide some concrete illustrative examples to showcase our theses taken mainly from science P. End slides. <laughs>